We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time. It is that time, Jesse. Are you ready for rapid fire, my friend? Let's do the rapid fire and get on out, baby. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. All right, let's see here. Let me pull it up. I said, are you ready? And I don't even have it pulled up. So that's going to be obviously <laughs> a bit of a problem. All right, here we go. <laughs> I, wait, right before but, you go, I thought there was, was one Savage Fitness says, since Notre Dame beat Clemson in North Carolina and they're playing for the ACC championship, does that make Notre Dame ACC champs. I mean, kind of de facto. Yeah. You throw in twenty-seven straight against ACC opponents. Right. I mean, we we run the ACC, but rapid fire. Sorry, got distracted. No, no, no. <laughs> You're one hundred percent right. There, there is no doubt about that. that. Notre Dame is is the ACC champion. I'm sorry. So you just just Take send the, the trophy crown. to South Bend. That's where it belongs. All right. Last week, Jess, we talked about beating Clemson wouldn't erase the losses to Marshall or Stanford. How do you feel about that today after the game against Clemson on Saturday night? So for me, Clemson erases one of them. It doesn't erase both of them. And I say that because going into the season, I thought Notre Dame's honest record would be 10 and two, right? I thought that they, they would handle most of the games and potentially lose to the combination of, you know, Clemson, USC, or maybe a random one in there that kind of falls through the cracks. Um, and so I was okay with not okay, but with the potential of two losses was kind of, you know, the mindset of that I was going into the season. And then when you lose to a team like Marshall and Stanford, two teams that are just kind of inexcusable losses, then you turn around and beat the team that, you know, largely, I would say 90% of the country said would beat Clemson at the beginning of this or a team that in Clemson that pe- most people said that would beat Notre Dame. I'm okay with swapping one of those out. Those ones kind of, you know, cancel out for me. Um, but uh, there, there's still the, the one kind of ugly loss that remains. Um, and USC doesn't really do anything for me either, because at the beginning of the season, I thought that USC was a toss up and I thought Notre Dame could, I thought it'd be a very close game. And I thought Notre Dame would had a very good chance to win that game kind of regardless. So for me, Clemson, the big win against Clemson. Yeah, it, it does kind of take the sting away and erases one of those bad losses. I wouldn't say both of them, but it takes away one of them, but also brings back the frustration of, Stanford really 
but you could do this to number four Clemson. You know, the number 10 defensive line in the country averaging 85 yards a game, multiple defensive, you know, linemen who are projected to go to the NFL, and then, you know, that performance against Stanford. So, yes, it gets rid of one of them, but it doesn't erase all of it. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The word erase, I think, is what I have the hardest time with because <laughs> divert, just, maybe divert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it takes some of the sour taste out of your mouth, right? It 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 makes it more palatable, I guess, because now we're riding high on the win that they had on Saturday night. We're riding high on the fact that they're on a win streak. We're riding high on the fact that they should should win the next three games and finish the season nine and three. I had a great debate with one of my buddies. And last night, and we were talking about how most people thought that Notre Dame was going to be nine and three this year. And there's a good chance that Notre Dame's going to be nine and three this year. Just nice to who you thought they would right. be. <laughs> I said, but not all nine and threes are created equal, man. Like you can't, I'm there's sorry. There's layers to it. If you, if you lose to Ohio State, Clemson and, and USC, for example, and you're nine and three, is that a successful season? Yeah, first year head coach, you know, all that stuff. But if you lose to Ohio State, Marshall, and Stanford, but you beat all these ranked teams, <laughs> it's like, what did we just witness? Like, that yeah. doesn't, that is not success. That's just the weird. most roundabout nine and three way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yes, nine and three is palatable. Nine and three is something that you can build on. I would much rather have it to be where they lost their games early. And they finish off winning, which I'm cool with because that can launch you into the offseason. It's going to help in recruiting. It's going to do all of those things that remember the feelings we all had in the offseason with recruiting and going into the spring and coming out of the spring. We were all just riding high. You can still do that coming off of a nine and three season. And someday, I'm hoping when we're celebrating a national championship, we can look back at Marcus Freeman's first year and be like, yeah, remember that nine and three year when they lost to Stanford and 
Marshall, that, that was those were just you know build up moments. You know those, those yeah. were that just made us stronger and da 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 da, and we won a national championship and you know that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that that's what we're able to look back on. But I just can't erase those two losses. Like erase is too strong of a word for me. Uh, but I'm very happy that they beat Clemson. That was one of the best nights that we've had in a long time. And Marcus Freeman said it's like moments like this are few and far between. So you have to enjoy it. I'm still enjoying it. There's no doubt about that. So doesn't erase, but it definitely makes it more palatable. That's for sure. Yeah, I started thinking about, you know, I went to a lot of games between, let's see here, like 2000 and oh, probably like four to like 2014. And even after that, I still would come back to a lot of games. And I can't remember, you know, this, I was so jealous and envious because I missed, this is one of the most, you know, biggest wins in a 15 year span. And I went to a lot of those games and a lot of, you know, I watched the Bush push happen. I watched, you know, the ups and downs and of course there was big wins sprinkled in there, but nothing to this magnitude. So it was just really, really awesome to see overall. No doubt. All right. Buy or sell Saturday's game as the best for for linebacker J.D. Bertrand in his career? Oh, that is 100% buy for Mr. Bertrand. And and I think what makes it that is because, you know, the stage itself, right? Like that, it's like if you you have, if a regular season, uh, you know, baseball player has kind of just an average season, but he goes on to win like the World Series MVP he stepped up when it mattered the most. And I feel like that was what Bertrand did in this game is he stepped up when he his team needed him the most as captain, yeah. as a leader, yeah. uh, made big plays, you know, the huge tackle for loss uh, that, that set, you know, Clemson up for a third and long in a certain situation. I know he had, I think, around like nine tackles, a couple of t- tackles for loss. Just overall, a very sound defensive game and when it mattered the most. So I'm yeah. 100% by on this. Yeah, I mean, he had 12 total tackles, nine solos. I mean, a sack, two tackles for loss. I mean, it, it was by far from a uh, an aesthetic standpoint, from an execution standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. I think you make a great point there, Jess, about how as the team captain, he stepped up in the biggest game of the season. Yeah, it, you know, they challenged him to be physical and rally yeah. around the ball, and that's what he did all game. Oh. You, you, As a leader, you set an example, and if you want yeah. everyone else to do it, you know, and everyone's looking up to you. That's a huge, huge emphasis. No doubt about it. And he stepped up when they needed him the most. And I don't think he was ever as bad as some of the fans thought that he was. Right? Yeah. But he was struggling. There were times where he was struggling. Well, there, think I mean, of the, you know, the amount of defenses that he's gone through in X huh. amount of years, schemes, you know, being bounced around. It's it's hard to get your footing. And I think this is kind of his footing game. We finally seen him kind of fit in the footing of, you know, who he is as a linebacker. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree with you. So, he was never as bad, but he played a tremendous game on Saturday night. By far his best game in a Notre Dame uniform. And I'm, I'm super stoked for him, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. That was great. All right, fill in the blank. It's blank that the Detroit Lions have announced Barry Sanders will get a statue next season. It is amazing that Barry Sanders is going to get uh, his statue out there. Obviously, he's, you know an all-time Lions legend, very iconic. I have a lot of Lions friends, like, you know, again, because Michigan. I lived up in yeah. Michigan, I have Lions. I know about, you know, the inner workings of these Lions. It's, it's always fun because I get to poke at, you know, the Michigan being just not great <laughs> enough and the Lions always kind of sucking. And most of the time it's a win for me. 
Uh, but I, I just think it's great overall for the fan base because, and I'm not trying to, you know, be, you know, overly rude here, but it's just the facts. They don't have a lot of success as a franchise. They don't have a lot of playoff yeah. success as a franchise. And, you know, I think that that's something that gives, like I said, the fan base something to be excited about. There obviously will be an unveiling, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So overall, I think it's a great thing for the Lions. I just hope that they do something and have some success here soon. I always think that they're right on that verge of, okay, this yeah. is when the Lions kind of break the tipping point and, you know, flip to going back to the uh, being above average, but it just hasn't been there yet. For me, the, the fill in the blank is it's been way too long. I, I don't understand right. why it took so long for them. I mean, what have they had to celebrate where they couldn't? I mean, usually when they do something like this, it's like, okay, we need to get something going here. We need to pump up the, the fan base. We need to, you know, bring some people back in, whatever. They haven't been any good since he retired. They weren't even all that great when he played. And so what were they waiting for? Do you, do you know the year that he retired, Jesse? No, do you? I, I looked it up. <laughs> he graduated or graduated. He retired the year I graduated high school, oh, 1999. Wow. Okay. Over 20 years ago. And you're just now getting around to building this man, a statue. I'm not well-versed in lion's lore. Okay. But he was he, arguably the best lion of all time. And it right. took you over 20 years to build that man a statue, come on now. <laughs> it reminds me of a very, you know, very similar cowboy situation that Jerry Jones hasn't quite retired Jimmy Johnson yet into the ring of honor. And it's just like, what are you doing? Seriously. What, what, like, what, what is going on here? Uh, seriously. You're not wrong there. Uh, and that's how that's I feel all- about Barry Sanders as well. <laughs> and his statue taking, like you said, over 20 years. I mean, yeah, he, he was unbelievable to watch. I mean, I was right in my high school career and I, I would watch him all the time. And because, you know, you either got Bears, Lions or Colts games around here. So I watched <laughs> a lot of Lions football when I was in high school and watching that man do his thing was it's unbelievable. And if anybody out there doesn't know about Barry Sanders, and I can't imagine you'd be in this chat if you didn't. But if you don't, just YouTube the man and just watch that that dude run yeah i mean he stayed the the biggest thing he stayed with a a detroit man through and through played 10 seasons with only detroit and 10 seasons as a running back that's like (laughs) unheard of you know the longevity the dominance and then staying with one team the loyalty it's like yeah (laughs) i'm more and more talking myself into this like with drew pine (laughs) what have they been doing for so long is it a money issue like what right you don't are you guys so bad you haven't had any fans to come to the stadium and you got no funds to you know build the the goat of your franchise a statue oh they could have come up with a collection and gotten him a statue 15 years ago man the like, fans would have started to go fund me if they knew that that was the case because i mean what what is it five years after you retire that you can go into the hall of fame I think it's something close to that. Isn't it? Okay, okay let's see here. Uh, Barry Sanders Hall of Fame. <laughs> let's see here. Hmm, of course, it doesn't come up right there. I, I don't know when he went into the Hall of Fame. But, oh, 2003. So, yeah, four years maybe even. Okay, that's ridiculous. So, he goes <laughs> into the Hall of Fame, and 20 years later, you build him a statue at his own facility. Yeah. I... I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. All right, let's move on to something that's not going to 
annoy me as much. Well, no, it will because of the first two words I'm about to say. Tom Brady became the first quarterback in NFL history to eclipse 100,000 passing yards in the regular season and postseason combined. He also notched his 43rd career fourth quarter comeback, tying Peyton Manning for the most by an NFL starting quarterback. Which record is a bigger deal? You know, this is a tough one because obviously fourth quarter comebacks to me is a, it's like a balancing skill. One, you're put in the position to have to come back, right? And so it's a combination of whatever other factors led to that point. But that's kind of like your clutch stat or your clutch rating, right? Like yeah, right. you get the ball back and you drive down the field and you win the game. And that's probably what separates people like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and the rest of the other quarterbacks is they're often in the situation. They just fail to do so. And so that's kind of like your clutch rating overall is, is how I kind of, you know, analyze that one. And then the passing yards, yeah, it's up there because, you know, no one's ever done it. But the man has played for like 25 say, years. Like it's going to come <laughs> eventually, right? And he's so played in the NFL, he's been in the NFL longer than years he was alive not playing in the NFL. Right. So like, like those things are naturally going to compile. That's right. it's just kind of over time, excellent, right. you know, getting more games. And so I actually think that the the comebacks is more important because like I said, like that's what's defining you. That's your clutch rate. That's your win. You're single-handedly kind of winning the game at that point as you're orchestrating the offense um, down the field. So I, I'm going to take that that is the, the bigger deal uh, in terms of Tom Brady's success. I agree with you. And to be honest with you, what jumped off the, the page to me as far as this question was concerned was the fact that he tied Peyton Manning who's been retired for a while. <laughs> that shows and it how took, Peyton was just comeback I mean, after comeback. And, you know, part of that is because maybe the Colts weren't as good and he's having to come back more often. And right. the Patriots were better and probably weren't trailing at the end of games. Okay, I get all of that for sure. But the fact that you're just now breaking, potentially, he hasn't done it yet, tying one of Peyton Manning's records is just kind of mind-boggling to me. That tells me how good Peyton Manning was. I mean, Peyton Manning... I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. Maybe it's going to tick people off. He's a he, he's a better quarterback from a physicality standpoint. I, he's just a better quarterback. Tom Brady did it better as a, in the system and with the players around him and his nutrition and all of that stuff, right? But Peyton Manning, man, 43 comeback wins, and he's been retired for a really long time. It took this long for Tom Brady to tie him. I think that's probably the most impressive. I will go with the clutch rating as well <laughs> and i will say that the comeback wins is more is a more impressive record but at this point man tom brady is just racking up like stats from a longevity standpoint right you know and well, when you're given so many opportunities you're just right gonna get there eventually right <laughs> i mean a hundred thousand passing yards is ridiculous right I mean, yeah that, there's no reason to downplay that no that's it, ridiculous and yes it's an accumulation stat obviously but he's still the only one to ever do it and right. I would venture to guess he's probably the only one that's going to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty much impressive. Impressible? That's not a word. <laughs> Impressive. Okay, let's see here. Do I have any more written down? No. So here's the one that I had written down over here. Okay. Frank Wright from the Colts was let go today. And Jeff Saturday is now the interim head coach for the Colts. On a scale of 1 to 10, what are your thoughts on the former center for Peyton Manning <laughs> as now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? 
So 10 being like out of the park, yes, and one being like, what the hell are you doing? I'm at a solid, I'm at a solid like four here because I I really don't understand this move. I and I know Jeff Saturday has been okay. First of all, let me backtrack a little bit. I think it was time for Frank to be let go. First of all, that's big, you know, number one. I Luke yes, I agree. Way too many games they shouldn't have lost. Yeah, and I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know what's going right. on with the offensive line. I know that they haven't had a steady quarterback, but again, the defense underperforming this year after being so much better last year. Da 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 da. Jeff Saturday, though, like <laughs> I saw a tweet today. He coached high school football two years ago, and granted, it's high school football. You can't really control what comes your way. But he was like <laughs> three and seven as a head coach. In high school football, and I think that was his most recent uh, head coaching experience. And now he's been a consultant uh, mm-hmm. for the Colts. So you know, I know what I don't know. Consultant such a broad term. Like, what is his day to day task? Like, is he well, what is he exactly consulting on? Right. But he's right. had his hand in the cookie jar, and so that was enough for them to say, okay, you know, Jeff Saturday obviously played through the era with Peyton Manning, was a offensive lineman, but. He's 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 the in in-house guy, the lovable guy, and I think it makes sense on those terms, but I don't know. I get it it's an interim head coach, so in the long run does it really matter, right? Because we're, we're, I think we're past week 9 now, so we're basically at the halfway sure. point of the NFL season and you know the Colts aren't really potentially going to be competing for that division too much, so I don't know. I'm still stuck on a four because the, just the, the overall head coaching experience, like, is this just giving him like, Hey, okay. We know that this not really much writing. Here's your shot. Like if you run with it, you run with it. You know, it, it, he fits the role. He fits being the, the Colts Indianapolis man. I don't know, but it was a very interesting decision in the end. And I'm very excited now to see how it turns out. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. This is, I don't, but he wasn't an actual coach on the, on the, on the uh, staff, correct? He right, was like a consultant front office kind of consultant guy. And all of a sudden now you're the head coach. I, <laughs> like it's you want to Yeah. You want to talk about a rise to fame. I'm, I'm looking at his timeline here. He, he resigned as the head coach of a high school in 2020 <laughs> Valentine's day of 2020. And now November 7th, 2022, you're the head coach of an NFL football team. Yeah. Wow. I I'd mean, like to be that guy. I don't know about you, Vince. Holy moly. And, and again, <laughs> I, I get it from a PR standpoint and the Colts are usually pretty good at PR and doing that whole thing. I, I get all that. I put it at like a two or a three. Man, if I'm being honest, <laughs> I, I think he is a bright guy. I enjoyed listening to him when like he worked for ESPN and he would break some stuff down and, you know, things like that. And to be an offensive lineman, you got to be smart anyway. Right. And so I I appreciate offensive linemen for that matter, but dang, man, that's the move. (laughs) Like I I'm just, I'm just surprised because there's, it's still November. You play into January. Maybe you look, Hey, maybe he brings them back and all of a sudden, you know, they're in the playoffs or something. That would be amazing, and that would be fantastic. I'm sure all the Colts fans around here would be excited. But holy moly, that's the move. Come on, man. That, yeah, like, Shaitan got it right. It just felt lazy. Yes, I agree completely, completely. All right, Jess, we got a couple of super chats. Let's get to these before we uh, head on out of here. First from Tyler Evans. Thank you for the super chat, Tyler. He says, what point in the game do you guys feel that Notre Dame locked up the win against Clemson? go 
Oh man, um, I really liked the 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 touchdown right before half, and then Clemson retaliating. Notre Dame just being like, "That's the best you got right now." We're, we're <laughs> we have bigger things to to worry about than responding to this this pettiness that you have going on right now. Um, I'd say either that point or you know when they score the third touchdown and Clemson's going down the field via you know penalties these these obscure penalties. And Notre Dame says instead of, you know, penalties suck, especially the defensive side when you're executing, yeah. it gets you kind of oh, in a yeah. mental state and you're doing things right. And then to turn around and say, you know what, we're going to put our foot down and just take the ball away ourselves. Morrison, obviously from there, takes it back for a touchdown. So I felt in that kind of transition to right before halftime to the, the interception by Morrison, you could kind of pick any time in that range. But that's where I felt that it was it was locked up. The fan in me felt pretty stinking confident after the block punt for a touchdown. Like, and I know that's super early in the game, but it's a tone setter. Yes, that's exactly right. It felt very similar to Syracuse when Brandon Joseph took back the touchdown for, or put back the interception for a touchdown in the first play of the game. Felt very similar to that for the Syracuse game. From that point on, I was like, this is great. Like I was totally chill, relaxed. I was totally chill and relaxed after that first touchdown. I felt really good about it moving forward. The analyst in me would probably push it back to Benjamin Morrison's first interception. And then when they punched that in to go up 21-0, when they went up 21-0, it was like Syracuse doesn't have the chops to score 21 points. Like, I, I just <laughs> I just don't see them scoring 21. And so when they scored that touchdown, it was a short field. <clears throat> they went in there, punched it in. Like it, it's game over, you know? And then, of course, that just got cemented even more on the 96-yard interception return but that was just icing on the cake man like no doubt about that all right chief brody thank you for the super chat best believe that if the committee gets a chance to put a three loss lsu and a three loss notre dame in a new year's six bowl game they're gonna take it i mean if you're looking for eyeballs on the tv screen and you're looking for butts in the seats that matchup would of course be ideal i just don't see two three loss teams in a New Year's Six game situation. Hard to swing. As 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 alluring as it would be with Notre Dame, LSU, Freeman, Kelly, this, you know, all of it that goes along with it and how much yeah. it would sell. I just I I think that I don't think they can get away with two, three lost teams. Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah, it's gonna be really, really tough. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's possible, but look, I'm here for it. Like I would love for that. <laughs> oh, to be yeah, the I'm not a I'd love the better bowl game. Sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, Notre Dame has played LSU in bowl games. What? This would be the third time in like six Good years. success rate. Something like that. And they're undefeated. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll take it, you know, and then just the icing on the cake of who you would beat. That'd be awesome. Whoa. Just saying. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Relic Q, thanks for the super chat. I may be out of the loop, but with the recent success and the team playing well, is there any chance that we can still get slash flip a quarterback in this year's class? Well, if they get a quarterback in this year's class, it's going to be a flip. Uh, there's nobody that is uncommitted that I think is a take for Notre Dame right now uh, in the 23 class. So if they get one, it'll be a flip. I know that obviously this is more of a question for Ryan when he's yeah. on, but at the same time, I do know that they are recruiting quarterbacks. No doubt about it. They're not giving up on that position. They want a quarterback in this class and they're not just going to take a body, right? They want an actual quarterback in this class, uh, somebody that they feel they can win with. So, can they? Yes. Will they? Eh, I don't know. Uh, it's possible. We'll see. Yeah, like like you said, it, you don't just hand pluck quarterbacks for the sake of it. These are guys that are, you know, especially the quarterback position, you're giving scholarship to, right? right. A big chunk. You're not going to take away from other players in your overall scholarships just to give, you know, a, a quarterback a, a scholarship for a scholarship. Right. The same comes true with the portal. You know, you, you find guys who are going to fit your offense and what you're trying to run. And so that also factors into it. But that's more of what you were talking about of Ryan's. Um, aspects of things, but just kind of my general thought um, on it. Yep. No doubt about it. All right. Next from Connor Patton, our buddy. Thanks for the super chat, my man. He says, you guys are awesome. Thanks for the great coverage. Those are the easiest ones. Thank you, Connor. Appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) You're the best. That's right. Joe Poppity. Hey guys. Awesome job tonight. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. I hope you're recovering from the Phillies loss in the world series, but Hey man, I was rooting for him. You were in the World Series, and I was rooting for him too. My 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 guy Kyle Schwarber was there. Obviously, I would have. And um, oh gosh, why is his name escaping me? Uh, the other outfielder who used to play for the Cubs. Thank you very much. Uh, I was rooting for him, man. I, I wanted the Phillies to win that one, and they just couldn't get it done. But it is what it is. Joe says, still in the afterglow of the dominating win. If you could pick one play Saturday night when you think Clemson knew that they were in trouble, what would it be? So. There you go. I think we already explained that one, Joe. But I appreciate the super chat very, 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 very much. There were a lot of plays. Yeah. That were so exciting. for Joe's, I mean, to nail it down specifically, you know, Clemson was zero and five on third down going in the half. Notre yeah. Dame runs ten straight times and pounds yeah. it in with thirty seconds left. That's when I think they knew that. Oh boy, what have we gotten ourselves into? I know, right? I, uh, like to 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 have just no offensive success, and then to just great. get bullied ten yes. straight runs down the field. That that had to be Dabo was like, well, I I don't know. This anyone else got any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one more super chat here from Relly Q. He says, should every starting AP ranking be the final rankings from the previous year? Your number one, two, three, etc and can defend your I like rank that until idea. proven otherwise. It's interesting. The problem is it's college. And if you lose certain guys, if you, yeah. lose, you, know, you lose some key guys to that ranking, I think you it has to be taken into account. But at the same time, if you're losing guys, then the guys that you're replacing them with, you don't really know what they can do. And so maybe they're just as good, if not better, than the guys that they replaced. You never know, right? I wouldn't have a problem with that. And I think that there is a little bit of that that actually does take place 
you see a lot of teams getting a lot of respect for what they did previous years in the first preseason ranking. But that's why I like the college football rankings that don't come out until November. Yeah. Because you actually get an opportunity <laughs> to see if these teams are any freaking good and you can rank them appropriately. I'd almost be in favor of no rankings until we get to this yes. point. Because Absolutely. it eliminates all preconceived notions, biases. Yep. We just let it all play out and let the ranking. Everyone's just a pool. You're just letting, you know, gathering your ranking. You're working for your ranking. You're fighting for your ranking. Absolutely. And then you come out with like maybe six, seven, eight weeks in. You could, you know, push it back just a little bit. And then I, I, I'm almost be in favor of that idea, actually, now that I think about it. I think it'd be fantastic because then you're actually seeing, because like I said, in college, there's so much turnover from year to year most of the time. And if you're a top team in the country, you're probably going to lose some guys to the NFL. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. And so you're going to have a lot of turnover. I like not having any rankings until November. So, oh, we got another one from Joe. Joe's on a roll. Thanks, Joe, man. Really appreciate it. He says, A, so glad you pronounced my name right. (laughs) And B, I wouldn't have taken Wheeler out. C, I found it humorous that Dabo didn't know how to act at the end of the game. I, it was like Brian said in the post game show. I think he said it in the post game show. It was like that scene in Miracle where uh, he, where uh, the U.S. coach leans over and he looks at the Russian coach and he's like freaking out and he's like playing with his eyebrows. He's like he doesn't know what to do because he's never been in that position before. Clemson's never been in that position. They've never been absolutely butt whooped like that, where all three phases of the game score touchdowns against you. He didn't know what to do. It was great. It was great. Yeah, and Joe, I, I agree with you. There's no reason to take Wheeler out of the game uh, with your season <laughs> on the line. Right. And then obviously the next guy comes in and gives up three runs. It's just oh. very demoralizing when Wheeler's been your ace the entire season. But I think in the end, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw throw any more, you know, rain on you, but this just the Astros pitching took over so towards good. the back end and, that that proved to be the difference maker. You know the Phillies yeah. played great, and I just think they just needed they ran out of that one last kind of spark, yeah. and that's where the Astros pitching kind of took over. Absolutely, but thanks, Joe. Really appreciate uh, not only you being in the chat, listening. I I do enjoy uh, your your rants on Facebook. I do enjoy it, man. <laughs> I always knew what was going on in the World Series just by watching what Joe was saying on Facebook. So there you go. That was uh, it was hilarious. So anyway. All right, Jess, that's going to do it for this edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. Make sure that you join uh, the podcast tomorrow at 1 o'clock because Brian and I are going to be up and we are going to be, I've got the day off, it's election day. Make sure you guys get out and vote. I voted in every election since I've been 18. So make sure you get out and vote. (laughs) It is your civic duty. This is coming from a former social studies teacher. I would say the same thing to all my students. I've been taking my kids to the voting booth ever since they were old enough to walk. So take your kids, go vote, do your civic duty. That way, well, you still will. But don't complain about what happens if you didn't vote. I will put it that way. Yeah. So uh, so make sure you tune in tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So we'll have a podcast then. Jesse and Sean will be back at 6 o'clock. And then Brian and I will be back again at 7.30 to break down the college football playoff rankings. So make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that notification bell. And we will all talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk Radio, as well as the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, everyone. 
Thank you.